Happy to see you again, Tian. Tens of thousands of people all over the world enjoyed our first interview recorded on May 30th this year. Personally, I bought my first Bitcoin afterwards, even though less than 5% of my total investment portfolio. And I'm not easily persuaded, by the way. <laughs> and I never gamble. <laughs> Nonetheless, well, it's not, this isn't gambling. This is investing. It's yes. Yes. Well, None it's actually buying a currency of the future. Yes. Nonetheless, these interviews are not for me to personally promote or demote crypto and Bitcoin, but for getting quality information and insights to the general public. I have 20 questions today to be answered within an hour. Okay, so let's go through them quickly. Right. I, if you talk too long on one of the subject matters, I will, I have to intervene. Sorry about that. Okay. okay. Uh, thank you for this inter uh, interview. Okay. So I need to briefly introduce you. Uh, Tim Draper is a billionaire investor in technology startups, very successfully, and an early adopter of Bitcoin with 19 million worth of Bitcoin in 2014. I'm Joanne Tan, the founder and CEO of 10plus brand. We establish and market business brands for technology companies, funded startups, B2B services. We also build personal and professional brands for leaders, influencers, and professionals. Okay, question number one. Crypto and Bitcoin fluctuated wildly in the last four months after our first interview. There is not a dull moment. As of today, September 23rd, 2021, Bloomberg News reported that the crypto market is starting to knock on the doors of big bond funds and institutional investors for loans against their virtual assets. Fidelity Investments said it would allow institutional customers to pledge Bitcoin as collateral against cash loans. While news like this drives up Bitcoin, so many issues keep driving down Bitcoin's value. Other than China's cracking down in this authoritarian way, okay, on Bitcoin and crypto, do you see any systemic flaws in the crypto's trading mechanism that have caused the wild uh, roller coasting the examples? Like yesterday's 90% drop of Bitcoin on Pyth was caused by computer botching basic math. The day before, the blackout at uh, Salona and the use of robot traders in high-frequency crypto trading, et cetera. What are your thoughts about these systemic flaws or ph phenomenon or growing pain? Yeah, um, well, the market is the market. If, the, if um, the market believes that Bitcoin is worth a million dollars of Bitcoin, then it will be worth a million dollars of Bitcoin. If the market believes it's worth 30,000 of Bitcoin, it'll be worth 30,000. So, um, so the market actually eventually speaks. There will be little fits and starts and, you, and you, we're always talking about what's the value of Bitcoin in dollars. But over time, um, one Bitcoin is always gonna be worth one Bitcoin because there are only 21 million of them and it's, it's the dollars that are very volatile against Bitcoin as they slowly disappear from our use. Um, eventually, I don't think anybody's going to want to hold on to any currency that's tied to a government. Um, I think I they'd much rather tie use their currencies that are um, that are uh, that are crypto driven. Um, so I think that this is. Um, this volatility that you're seeing 
is people realizing that the marketplace is changing. And a lot of them are saying, oh boy, this is a real thing. I've got to have some of this for my portfolio, or I've got to, I got to use this for my trading system, or I've got to lend against it or borrow against it. Um, and, uh, and then there are the other people who are like trying to cling to the past, the Chinese government, for instance, trying to cling to the past and say, no, I want to control everybody and control everything. And I'm not going to let them use this Bitcoin. So he puts his people at a disadvantage uh, by limiting their use of Bitcoin or their, their I have ability. A, I have another question mine. about this later, Tim. I have another okay. question. About but anyway, that's okay. That's question number one. Yeah. Question number two. It seems that Bitcoin holders are primarily in two large camps. The first one, highly educated, intelligent, and sophisticated investors and usually they are financially i think secure. that's the whole camp oh no second <laughs> herd mentality blind followers some of whom are gamblers okay is that another contributing factor for its, for crypto for bitcoin's extreme volatility since there are far more blind followers than seasoned investors and if so what can be done about it you know, I believe people are smart. Look, we've all made it. You and I and all the other people on the earth have made it through millions of years of evolution. We're smart. We know how to survive. We, all the people on the earth, they all know how to survive. Some of them survive by leading. Some are surviving by following. Some survive by taking risks. Some survive by not taking risks. We are all survivors. So I always feel like, give the individual their choice. If they feel like, hey, I, I've got some money, I want to put it into Bitcoin because I think it's the future, I think they should be able to do it. Yeah, if, but, if, but they, really, if they put it into Bitcoin because somebody else tells them to put it into Bitcoin, no. fine. They did it. It's their own choice. I, and I think um, it's it's, there's something wrong with people doing this, which is they make a choice like that for themselves based on a bunch of information. And then it if it doesn't go well, then they blame other people. But if it goes well, they take full credit for it. I don't know what's wrong with us all that, this way, but that is sort of a, a human nature thing. We wanna to point to somebody else if, they, if something's going wrong. Take responsibility for your action. If you buy something and it doesn't work out, hey, that's on you. Um, but I look at Bitcoin in this way. I look at Bitcoin as trust and freedom. Mm -hmm. Trust and freedom are the most important parts of any society. If a society has, has great trust, they're trustworthy, they're trusting, um, that society will grow at an extraordinary rate. If yes. they're free, it will grow at an extraordinary rate. If they're government controlled, it will not grow at any rate. It'll maybe even strength. If they are um, if they are untrusting and untrustworthy, that will also shrink the economy. Right. So so Bitcoin to me represents trust and freedom. That's why I wear the tie. I'm saying, <laughs> world, look, it is important to be trustworthy and free 
and keep it that way. You just answered my last question about what's your brand stand for. But let me let me focus. It's about volatility, because there are people who come in and exit emotionally. So that that compounds the volatility of this wild swing. Okay. So I'm. I, I, I don't. So if you may, if you make decisions emotionally, some of those are the best decisions you'll ever make, and some will be bad decisions, and that's that's it's it's your responsibility okay I, I agree look you have made it through human evolution for millions and millions of years i trust you to make the right decision for you yes it's personal sovereignty and a robust economy must be based on individual sovereignty and freedom okay number three and, is and bitcoin is free and open and transparent and all those good things yes and it's trustworthy Yes. And now, so you put those things together and that is really good for okay. society. Good. Number three, is the, is the lack of circulation or inadequate circulation and liquidity another reason for its volatility? Well, volatility, uh, a lot of it is uh, when people read certain things in the paper, or they talk to somebody or somebody else, they, um, they react. And, and if that reaction includes buying or selling or trading in some commodity of any kind, <laughs> um, it's, it's going to move. So, um, so what's interesting about the news today is that if, um, if somebody tweets something out, it can have a ripple effect all the way around the world yeah, because people are learning it at, a different, at different times. But as soon as they learn it, they say, oh. I have to put that into my thinking when I'm investing or buying a currency or whatever it is I'm doing. I have to put that into my thinking. And uh, uh, what I, I have a very uh, slightly different approach to investing, which is I have a long-term view. Yes. So these little changes, big changes, whatever, these changes in the dollar against Bitcoin, um, are in my mind very temporary because I actually don't think that we're going to have fiat currency in 20 or 30 years. I think it's all going to be Bitcoin and, and uh, crypto. I, I don't see a reason uh, for governments to have currency other than trying to control people. Okay, let's get to the details to prove your proposition. Okay, uh, by the way, I'll quote that. Okay, I'll quote that as a headline for uh, pushing this up. Number four, what caused the uh, mouth? malfunction of El Salvador's launch of their Bitcoin? Oh, that's just getting the system in place. I think um, software, it takes time for software and it needs to kind of go through iterations before people are um, up and ready. But El Salvador has discovered that OpenNode works perfectly. And so people can, retailers can accept Bitcoin, use OpenNode. OpenNode's been tried and true been used for many many uh, years now and uh, but it's a little like when when uh, Obama had the healthcare software and then it just broke well it, sure I mean software is going to break it's at the beginning but then people will fix it fix it fix it and eventually it'll work beautifully and I'd say El Salvador made a brilliant move they suddenly were globally recognized on the map they are 
if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm thinking, where do I want to go? I go to a place that is forward thinking. I go to El Salvador. Okay, here's the thing. Do you think they're bold moves? Or, or Panama or any of these other countries that is making Bitcoin a national currency, Japan. Okay, your single minded focus on the Bitcoin, whoever adopts Bitcoin the, the, the fastest. Now, here's my question. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think El Salvador's bold move has something to do with that their currency traditionally was pegged to US dollar anyway? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, you know, I, I had a discussion with the president of Argentina and I made this bet with him. Uh, we, I told him about Bitcoin and then two years later I met him again and I told him again about Bitcoin and Bitcoin had dropped from 10,000 to 4,000 during that time. Um, and I, I said, and during that time, also the Argentinian pesos dropped from 75 cents to 25 cents. So I'll make you a bet. This was President Macri. Um, I'll say I'll bet that um, if the Argentinian peso outperforms Bitcoin over the next year, that I will double my investment in Argentina. And he said, OK. And I said, but if Bitcoin outperforms the Argentinian peso, um, then you have to make Bitcoin a national currency. And and he hesitated because of the IMF, because they have these debts with the IMF and creating a new currency could throw off the, the, the system that is controlled by you know, the IMF. Um, but what he didn't realize was if he had put some portion of his national treasury into Bitcoin, he could have paid off the entire IMF debt. He didn't, I mean, instead he, he, he got thrown out of, I mean, he got voted out of office and the new person in there is, um, is a socialist and, and the currency has gone from 25 cents down way below a, a penny. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a disaster. But if he had done it, he would have been able to pay off his entire country debt. Uh, and, and he would have attracted all the great entrepreneurs from all over the world because Argentina, let's face it, is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yes. Well, hindsight is always uh, 2020. But now move on to the next question. Ray Dalio. I'm sorry, but that, I would call that foresight. I gave him a chance. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of guts to and in. And, and 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 audacity and and clarity of vision to take that move for the country okay so number five ray dalio recently said the value of bitcoin is quote unquote imbued rather than intrinsic he says gold's value is intrinsic and imbued value of bitcoin he cited was at least based on the impressive fact that it has never been hacked he didn't mention that Bitcoin has a limited edition capped at 21 million coins. Okay. What do you think of his characterization? It's semantics. But look, Ray Dalio, brilliant man. He's just gotten into Bitcoin and crypto. He, he, he was not, uh, he hasn't had the, what have I had? I have from 2012 to now, almost 10 years of time to understand and build my understanding of Bitcoin. His is brand new. So he is just starting out. 
but boy, he's a brilliant man. He'll catch up very quickly. And, uh, and it's just semantics. That's just putting a definition on something that is amorphous. So I would just say, hey, Bitcoin is a store of value. It's a currency. It's a new way of operating businesses. It's a new way of, for retailers to, uh, to use um, another form of currency. Uh, it's just a better, it's better. It's I, I would challenge currency that we should all be using. Yeah, I would it's, challenge his thinking. It, it keeps perfect records. So like if, if you're in a, an untrustworthy industry, let's say you're in the movie business, um, it's not a trustworthy industry. People don't get paid what they think they're supposed to be paid. There are all sorts of problems to it. You, Im you, you embed Bitcoin into that industry and suddenly everybody's paid exactly what they're supposed to be paid in a Bitcoin wallet and it keeps perfect records on the blockchain and it's all built into a smart contract. Why would you use anything else? And then, you know, of course, why would you use anything else anyway? Because eventually once I can get my groceries and my clothes and my shelter by paying in Bitcoin, uh, there's no reason for me to hold dollars. Right. So if his criteria for categorizing something is intrinsic rather than imbued is based on physical attribute that you can physically touch and feel and hold gold, but you cannot do that uh, with a digital currency, then... Oh, well, that's also, in, that's also imbued. I mean, who decided that that was intrinsic? It's just something physical that he can think about. I, hey, electrons are physical. Right, right. And, are, you know, and we use, we use paper. Yes. I mean, how, that's not exactly, that's, that's got to be imbued too. It's not, um, I, I, so that's why I'm saying it's semantics. He's just sort of right. defined it in some way and, and he doesn't right. think of electrons as physical, but they are. Right, and the convenience. And, and it's speed. all about trust and, and yeah, convenience. and Convenience freedom. and speed of transactions. That yeah. And if you trust in, a certain currency. Yeah, that, that you, intrinsically is associated with a digital currency, you know, the speed and the, 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 and the convenience. Okay, so number six. Has the definition of money changed in any way with the birth and growth of Bitcoin? Does Bitcoin ownership versus gold ownership give Bitcoin owners more responsibility, participation, and other new elements of ownership? Well, if you define on a, a responsibility as, as ownership, which it kind of is, when you own something, you kind of are responsible for it to, um, to be put to good use. Um, then yeah, I think that's right. Um, has it changed? Yeah. Definition uh, well, of money. I think it's changed in, in this way, just the way when you went to gold, to the promise of gold, to the promise of silver, to the promise of the full faith and credit of the government, um, each of those created more liquidity in the market. With more liquidity in the market, the people of the world or of that marketplace become wealthier because if you and I do a deal, we're both better off. And you multiply that by the 8 billion people on the planet, we want more deals to happen. Well, Bitcoin is pretty frictionless. You can, you can do a deal in Bitcoin in 
five seconds. If I have to send you money, I have to go to my bank, I have to wire it. It's a very complicated process. Or I'd write a physical check and mail it to you. Uh, there are not, it, if, if I need to send fiat money, if mm -hmm. I want to send um, electronic money, uh, it moves very quickly. So yes, we, we are moving into a period where we are all going to be much better off because there's going to be less friction. The banking system today, the governments today, create a lot of friction to us doing commerce with each other. Yes. But if you're operating in, uh, in uh, cryptocurrency, it, it moves very quickly and we don't have to wait for the bank to go through their whole process because that process is all done very quickly in software mm -hmm. um, on the blockchains. So, so every individual has more sort of a theoretically ownership over their own money versus oh, absolutely. the old Yes. Yeah, okay. if, I'm, if I'm holding my money in a ledger like this, if I'm holding money in a ledger, um, I have this feeling like, oh, it's right here. I have my money. But if I'm holding it in a, a remote bank account in some place, to get that money out is hard. If I have $20,000 in a bank account, I want to pull it all out. Uh -huh. I can't do that very easily. I can take out $9,999 without too much trouble, but I can't get more than $10,000 out of that bank at any one time. It's, it creates huge friction for people who are moving a large amount of money. Okay, I have my next question is pretty macro. Okay, uh, Ayn Rand brand of libertarian capitalism, in my opinion, was based on the dated view that the world resources are almost limitless. That's back in the 20s and 30s. Okay, an utopian and idealized understanding of a limitless potential of capitalism, back defined then as capitalism. Now, living with the reality of global warming and the realization that first, resources are limited, and second, the window of opportunities is rapidly closing to reverse climate change. Okay, so you, you've got so many things wrong in that question. Oh, but no, no, no I'm not done One yet. at a time. No, okay. Here, one here's time. what you have wrong. You are looking at it with a Marxist philosophy. No, I am not Marxist. looking at it with a Marxist philosophy. No, no. I am absolutely is, against the Marxist. Joanne. No, no, Joanne. I know you are a libertarian, but let me no, no. finish. No, 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 I'm, no, not, no. I'm not labeled <laughs> any kind of political party. I am not. I am not a libertarian. I'm not any of those political parties. Good, good, good. No, but go. your, your philosophy... Carl no, Marx I, I, said, you haven't heard said my that philosophy. we were going to run out of food <laughs> okay. because... There isn't enough food and the population's growing faster than the food supply. He was so wrong. And why was he wrong? He was wrong because of capitalism. He was wrong because people innovated in food supply. They got better at it. They got, they, it was entrepreneurs did interesting things. Good. They figured out I, how to grow more food per acre. They I like the word innovative. The word capitalism is innovating. I yeah. believe in capitalism so, that so, is innovating. So right. can I so please? You, and then you talk about limited supply of resources. No, no, no. The, no, the, the number the of resources resource. unlimited. No. Unlimited. And then you talk about global warming. 
that's going to be solved by entrepreneurs. It's not going to be solved by some government. In fact, you go to the governments of like North Korea or Russia. No, no, no. I'm not, not talking about North Korea. Okay. No, no, no. When you go to those Give, countries. No, no, no. no. you go to those could, countries. Could you entertain another point of view and it's prevalent? No, no, not necessarily not, my point of view. So you go to those me. countries. They are big polluters. <laughs> okay. The I totally know that. countries are usually the capitalistic countries. We were big polluters before the early age of industrial uh, revolution. We had a government. Right. And then people uh, came up with the catalytic converter. That wasn't the government. That was an entrepreneur. But the government did play a role. How to clean the water. EPA was non-existent before. Okay. The government did play a role. You cannot deny that. So let me. I want you to, to entertain other ways of thinking and don't label me Marxist or capitalist. I'm e- neither, uh, I'm not labelable, okay? Now, no, I, didn't, maybe- I, I just said that Karl Marx was the one who said we have a limited resources and everybody's going to starve if we keep- No, no, no. There is no limit to human innovation. There is no limit to human progressive way of like redefining money and redefining capitalism in an innovation way. But here- Denying the government has any role to play in the global warming crisis? No, no, no. Government should be involved when there are um, people who are hurting other people in some way or another. So, absolutely, there is a time. But I also believe that governments should have to compete with each other for those people, so that they have to provide good enough service, so that those people can want to stay in that government. So my well, next and two actually, questions. We've got, a, we've got an opportunity now to have vir- more virtual governance. You, you can. Have those governments have to compete with each other for us. Yes, I present all points of view. I know where you stand, but that doesn't stop me from presenting other points of view because I'm here uh, representing the general public, the left and right in the middle, okay? So based on the fact that the national governments do have a role to play in addition to private actions and entrepreneurs to to combat global warming and climate change. Now, so the questions are, could Bitcoin undermine national government's control of central banking and economic policies? Next question. In China, a couple of months ago, a great flood happened in a large city. There was no power, no internet. People were so used to digital payment they found themselves needing paper cash for everything. What do you think of its implication to Bitcoin's use and circulation when there is no power? Well, what's great about Bitcoin is that the the power could go out, you still have your Bitcoin. As long as the power comes back on, you can use it. So during some period of time where there's a blackout, there are a lot of things that don't work during the blackout. Your lights don't work. Your computer doesn't work. A lot of things don't work. Um, but but uh, so you have to kind of go back and, you know, light candles and and pay with IOUs or whatever. OK, but, but I'll tell you that that power out around a bank is much more disastrous than a power out when there's Bitcoin. Why? Because a power out in a bank could be shutting down. Uh, uh, contracts in between when they haven't been done. But in Bitcoin, that blockchain is replicated all over the world and it is kept 
honest all over the world. So if one place goes down, another place uh, can represent the trade. But if a bank loses its energy, that can be really disastrous. The, The vault can open up the you know, so many things can happen. Whereas with Bitcoin, no, you still have your Bitcoin. Good. It can be used somewhere else. So yeah, absolutely. Bitcoin's right. question number 10. Power out. Yes. Assuming that you do not prefer to live in a country without government, without borders, what is the right place for Bitcoin to fit in? Coexist with fiat? No, I actually think long-term our government's will not really have borders. I I think our governments need to trade. I think China and the US made such a mistake by creating a trade war that they are hurting themselves. Every time you put a trade war together, you hurt your country, you hurt your people, your own people. people. You think you're damaging the other guy? No, you are hurting your own people. And whenever there's any kind of barrier, trade barrier, tariff, tax, whatever. Yes. And you are hurting your own people. And Americans China got and the US hurt more. Should be trading with each other. Yes. And that border should be as open as possible. Uh, so I have can... no idea. I think these guys are the, the it's the last breath of the dying lion. It's the big roar before they're gone. Um, but then, Kim, I think you are but, way ahead of your time. I think the national government is going to be around for a lot of for many years. Things uh, move pretty quickly. You, okay. you know, now around the world, you get a new product, a new meme of some sort. It moves around the world pretty quickly. Okay, good. Once so you, you, uh, what happens when El Salvador triples their, their GDP because of what they've done? It's going to ripple throughout the world. They're going to go, oh my gosh. Yes. And then what happens when you know, uh, you know, people are trying to keep people in Mexico from coming over the border. Well, what happens when it's nicer to live in parts of Mexico than it is to live in the U.S.? That border doesn't mean anything. Good. I think that I think those things are happening because, look, yes. I can start a business anywhere. Yes. I, and if I want to hire somebody, why would I ever hire anybody from California? California has all these regulations. I wouldn't I, all these regulations that force me to do things for my employees that I don't necessarily want to do. And um, and go so I can I can go hire. It, I could have two people in California operating my business, and I can have forty five hundred people yeah. from Pakistan. And eventually, that means that Pakistan is going to rise, and they're going to have a better economy, and all those things. And then the borders between the U.S. and Pakistan will mean very little a, because yes. the quality of life will be similar. Yes. And I think once you have that, you're going to have a very free and open world. Yes. And 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 then what's what's your currency going to be? I'm not going to use Pakistani rubles or whatever they are right. to, to uh, transact business. Okay. I'm going to use Bitcoin. Okay. So. You said in the last interview with me that China's government issued digital wallet is a threat to Bitcoin if their digital wallet is accepted outside China. I never said it was a threat to Bitcoin. I think I said it was a big mistake. Okay. Uh, so if- no, in fact, I, I used Aurora coin, the Icelandic yeah, coin, yeah. as yeah. an example. Yes. Where 
it's only accepted in Iceland. It was but the stupidest thing ever. All of a sudden, you've got a currency that's accepted all around the world, and now you're going to create a currency that's only accepted in Iceland. Okay, good. Here, conversely, if Aurora Coin or China's uh, digital wallet are accepted outside of their own country in, in the world, do you think that is a threat to Bitcoin? No, because it's still tied to political force. So China would just print more renminbi if they wanted to. And, uh, and the people holding those digital renminbi, the digital yuan, will, um, will, uh, that money will decrease in value over time through inflation, whereas Bitcoin won't. Okay, that's digital yuan. Okay, yuan is the Korean. Okay, so do you yeah. think technology has borders? Yeah, well, it shouldn't, but it, it, I mean, it does as long as governments get in the way. But no, no, technology, we can use it anywhere. You know, the Koreans should even be richer than the South Koreans. <laughs> North Koreans are stuck in the Marxist world. And I feel for them. I, those, that poor, those poor people in that country. We need them to be a part of the world economy. But um, the South Koreans have been so advanced in their technological thinking. They built incredible technology, but because until recently, they didn't speak a lot of English. Um, English is the money language. You, it was hard for them to do business, but boy, their technology was so good. And I mean, they had broadband before anybody. They had they they had video phones before anybody. Okay. They had so many things that uh, these massively multiplayer games they were way ahead on. Um, and mostly because it's a free country and it's yes, a democracy so and it's. And it's open, In, free market. Tim Draper's utopian world is borderless. Technology <clears throat> has no border. The currency has no border. And people freely uh, live. Um, yeah. Live on the world. Yes, yes, yes. Sure. I, now here's and, the thing. And, but the reality and, is. And ownership, ownership is, um, a title for ownership is in the blockchain. Yeah. Because wait. then we are going to know who owns okay, what. Good. And so, then there are, they, we don't have sort of crazy military fights when, okay. you know, what good is that? So the reality anyway. today, the reality today is. Uh, whenever Bitcoin, I hear that, I think, I think I, I'm not sure your reality, my reality. Well, the Bitcoin is based, is priced on the value of fiat. Okay. So if the value of Bitcoin is priced and based on the value of fiat, what makes Bitcoin immune to inflation of the U.S. dollars? Well, because there are only 21 million of them. Of course, they're immune. They're, they're only 21 million. US dollars, they're printing 3.4 billion right now. Okay. They've, they've just printed six, uh, 3.4 trillion. They've printed 6 trillion. They're going to keep printing, of course. And when they print money, the money you've got is worth less. Okay. So let's say you're trying I, to. I build totally a know business. that. Yes, I, my, my readers, my, my pub, very smart audience also know that. So let's move on to the next question. Is crypto a threat to the U.S. government's national security? No, not at all. Why not? In fact, in fact I think, because I think security is tied to all of branches. I think security is tied to peace. It's not tied to bigger weapons. It's tied to peace. It's not tried, tied to controlling people either. It's, 
I mean, that's insecurity. Uh-huh. It's the it's the government officials who are insecure who are the ones who are saying, no, we we have to control everybody. We have to tell everybody what they have to do. Uh-huh. Um, the secure government people are saying, yeah, let's innovate. Let's come up with new things. See what you can do. Okay, good. Now, and then it's me. a safer world because yes. you're not creating a bunch of, you know, good. you're not good. creating threats to other people that are in other, that just happen to live in other places. Right. So next question is a little long. It has three parts. So hear me out. Okay. Regulatory scrutiny is being ratcheted up by the SEE, SEC. Okay. And the chair of SEC, SEC said that uh, he believes it's better to be proactive on digital currencies than to react following a crisis. So Michael Xu, the acting chief of the uh, office mm-hmm. of the controller of the currency, he said that on Tuesday uh, that cryptocurrencies and decentralized finance may be evolving into threats to the financial system in much the same way certain derivatives brought near collapse more than a decade ago in 20, uh, 2008. So three, three questions. Number one. Okay, he, that, okay I get that. There are two there. There's Gary Gensler and then there's the, um, the talk about uh, derivatives. No, um, it is not a threat like the derivatives were a threat because it is, um, it, the derivatives were a, a system that was actually driven by government regulation that forced banks to lend to people that they lend on houses to people who they knew were bad credit risks. They were forced to do that by the government through a bill that went through. Okay, good. And then then it crashed because of course it was going to crash because they were not going to pay because they were bad credit risks. Mm -hmm. And and we were sitting there going, oh, God, what, what do we do? Do you support the banks or do you let the banks fail? Or do you, what do you do? Well, we were put in that situation because the government put a restriction on banks, a forced restriction on banks that they knew was not economically viable, but it pushed the ball down the, down the right. field. But right. yes, here, so not a none Marxist. Of that has happened here, but if the government over-regulates these cryptocurrencies, it could have a similar bad effect. Yes. It could it could have only if they over-regulate. If yes. And and I'm not sure Gary Gensler is a great guy and he does it. He's a really bright guy. I've been on a panel with him and he was he was terrific. Um but but I I don't know if regulation should anticipate every new innovation. I think they should let innovations run for a while to see what might go wrong and then get in there and say, well, maybe we need to do something about this. Maybe we don't. Uh, Because when you regulate, what you're doing is you're putting a regulation on, well, in the case of the SEC, that's 300 million people. That's so many people. And if it works for one person, that doesn't mean it works for the other 299 million, 299. Okay, so here's here's following your thought. If it is true that it was a government overregulation that created 
the derivative, the, the, the mortgage subprime, and then the financial system uh, collapsed. Well, it was a government, the political power, you know, started with Henry uh, Paulson, and they have no choice but to rescue the, the lending institution, the big, uh, too big to fall uh, bankers. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the government does have a role in that uh, systemic crisis moment. And you can argue the other way that they shouldn't. They just let everybody fail and then repeat, uh, you know, 1929. Well, it's, 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 you put one Band-Aid on, then you have to put another Band-Aid on. You, you created a, a discontinuity in the marketplace. It collapsed the way you would, I mean, I could have predicted that. And then they had to do something about it. And they knew, th the government in their hearts knew that the government was at fault. And they looked and they said, yeah, okay. it really wasn't the bankers' faults. The bankers just did what we told them to do. And we, we together got us into that problem. And we have to bail and it so out. I think they were making reparations. Now, the press didn't write it up that way. But I think the government was sort of going, okay, okay, we know we forced you into this thing. Okay. And now we've got a problem. So, and we sure. got we got to solve it. And then they did. But okay. but um, I in general, um, sure, the, the government, it's great if they um, come in and do something to get to rally people. Right, right. OK, Kim, I, I have to start to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you. But I have to relate to the crypto market. OK, uh, because you see on the horizon, SEC and, uh, 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 and the controller office are coming to regulate, okay. So here, Mike, hear, hear me out with three questions. Does it mean that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are more likely to be treated by the government as a security rather than currency? In the last interview, you said that Bitcoin is more like a currency. Have you changed your mind? Second, do you- No, no, I've already, I, no, I, I'm, I laid it out. The SEC dis defined Bitcoin and Ethereum as currencies. The other ones they have yet to define. Um, they they are generally trying to get them all to be securities. I mean, if you're in something called the Security and Exchange Commission, everything you see is a security or an exchange. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you're a, a doctor that does only cancer of the earlobe, everything you see is going to be a cancerous earlobe. I I think they're they're focused on that. They've got to keep in mind though that you got to balance, you've got to, you've got to encourage innovation if you are really trying to, in some way, protect the buyer of these currencies. And I, I think that, um, you know, to date, they've done an adequate job, but I think down there, I would have been a little lighter touch, but, um, and I, I'm a little concerned about them picking out the, the biggest one and trying to um, pick on them. Mm -hmm. I, I think they, they're trying to set an example, but I, I think that may be the wrong way okay. for the SEC to operate. Yeah. About I think the they should look for, for absolute fraud and yes. go ahead and pick those off. But if it's not fraud, I'd let it rip. So let's hope that the it's light-handed uh, regulation. Okay. Now about tax, do you reserve 
tax payment for all your Bitcoin capital gains since 2014, if and when you sell some portion of it or just use some some portion of it for purchasing goods and services? Yeah, of course. Okay. I I, I know very well that if I sell Bitcoin, which I don't plan to, um, that or if I use it for any purpose, I now have to pay a capital gain on that Bitcoin. I mean, that's the law. Yeah. Um, here's what's really interesting in taxes. Um, let's say I raise a fund completely in Bitcoin. I invest it completely in Bitcoin. All the, my employees and suppliers, I mean, all the companies pay their employees and suppliers in Bitcoin. And we have a, a closed system there that where the money comes in, it's on a smart contract. When, when money goes back out, it goes down a, a certain waterfall and it's all built into a smart contract on the blockchain. You can put a tax system into that. You can build a tax system into that entire system. And then you don't have to go around and break people's kneecaps to get them to pay their taxes. That's right. You can just, they just come right out of, of the trade that's being done Yes. With these, with Bitcoin. And, yeah. and I don't get why the IRS people haven't recognized that this is a big opportunity for them. To get tax um, revenue, yes. To, to move all of commerce to Bitcoin so that we, we no longer, they no longer have to go out and find who's cheating, who's not, who's whatever. Okay. Yeah, We're going to send think- this link to the IRS, okay? <laughs> Hopefully they're going to uh, have some innovative uh, kind of a uh, awakening moment. Now, number 16, on the one hand, taxes and regulations on Bitcoin will legitimize it as a graduate from the Wild West jungle. OK, uh, but on the other hand, do you think being taxed and regulated will make Bitcoin lose some of its incorruptibility, transferability and uninflatability? Well, it's not going to lose its uninflatability. There are only 21 million Bitcoin. I've said that four times already. It's not going to inflate. So that part, no. But is it going to lose its... Well, if it gets over-regulated in one country, it's going to pop up in another country that's freer. And when that happens, all the innovators are going to go to that country. So uh, people in government regulated their own peril. And not only their own peril, but their country's peril. If if I start telling everybody in the world that they have to wear a Bitcoin tie, you gotta wear a Bitcoin tie, that's it. You, You have to, this is what you have to do. And everybody then just does what I, Bitcoin tie might strangle people, it might, you know, chafe on other people. People have different desires. They're, they're going to want different fashions. They're going to want different things. And, and for me to be a politician or, or somebody if, who's trying to tell other people what to do, I better be really sure that everyone will benefit from my decision. Yes. And that is not the case with all these regulations. Totally. And certainly, certainly not the case with President Xi and him telling every single parent exactly how they're supposed to raise their kids. You think that the president of the United States knows better how to raise my kids than I do? 
No way. And, and they dare today, today, the Chinese government dare to call themselves a democracy, citing Abraham Lincoln. It was like, what a laughing stock. Anyway, so we have uh, six minutes to finish the next four questions. What do you foresee as the worst possible scenario to Bitcoin? Other than the solar flare that wipes out all digital records and civilization based on electric power on Earth. What, what is the worst that can happen? By the way, solar flare wouldn't be a problem. All electricity goes down, not a problem. People have their Bitcoin backed up on, if they have their Bitcoin on ledgers, they backed it up with a handwritten thing. So yeah, not a problem. Um, what would what could go wrong? Well, lots of things, but it's, um, I think generally, you know, people try to, muzzle technology they try to stop technology technology wins yes. it always wins because the consumer in, a, in the marketplace the consumer is always right the consumer knows what's good yes and the consumer knows that hey this is just better currency so why would i use this other currency so why you know why do i use fiat currency so, when so I you think the government the national governments could be the worst that can uh, no, because they they have to compete with each other for us. So if one national government says, like China did, shuts it down, then other national governments say, "Hey, bring it here." So what's what, what was kind of cool was China said Bitcoin mining is illegal. Well, all the Bitcoin mining came to other places, the U.S. and uh, right. yeah. you, know, you know Iceland you and other places where energy yeah. was cheap. So it's one of these things where they they push down in one place and it pops okay. up. Okay. So let me ask: What do you foresee as the best? It could possible? get slow. Progress could be slowed down by government regulation, and that would be bad. But eventually, it's going to come. You know, yeah, it's genie like, is out of the bottle. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So what do you foresee as the best possible outcome of Bitcoin? How many decades or years will it take to get there? Well, I think I think I'm optimistic, but I actually think that the future is even more optimistic than I am. But I'm optimistic that I I believe that um, it, the first thing that'll happen is all the retailers start accepting Bitcoin, so they don't have to pay the banks two and a half to four percent every time they swipe a credit card. Mm -hmm. And then okay. we start looking and saying. Well, wait, why would we hold on to this other currency? Because I can get my food, clothing, and shelter with Bitcoin. And then people start innovating, realizing that they have the security of knowing that those innovations create stored value. And that stored value is not going to be taken away from them through inflation or government controls or whatever. Yes. So uh, okay. they will build value and they'll be able to hold that value. And I think that that will create incredible innovation in all the young people that who, who are trying to get started in the world. They're going to come out and they're going to go, I'm going to start something cool because, hey, if I make this money, I keep it. And, and I, it can't be taken away from me. And that's that yes. is a big um, deal. Yes. So number 19, what do you think about the corporate monopolies such as Google, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, 
and social, you know, the social media platform becoming more powerful than the government in certain areas. Well, I, I kind of like that they're becoming powerful. I, I like that. They, think about this. If you're a startup and you're looking and you're saying, how, how great could this be? You know, it used to be that you could get to be a billion dollar business. Now you could be a trillion dollar business. That's amazing. People should aspire to be that great. But do you think monopoly- so that part, I don't mind. The part that we have to watch out for is if, if there's any restraint of trade. So if, if we're getting bad service at a high cost and we have to from that supplier, that's trouble. But if as long as there's a place for an entrepreneur to come in and innovate and compete with that and provide better service at a lower cost, hey, let entrepreneurs become huge successes. They're, they're, they're great models for all the young people in the world. You know, God, I mean, what okay. young person who's starting a new business doesn't want it to feel like hey, I can make this as big as Apple, as Facebook. Yes, so as long as they're not anti-competitive. Yeah, okay. and, right. Good. And you know what's happened in China? They've taken away, like Jack Ma got his wings clipped. Yeah. And, and all those young people are looking and going, oh, so that guy built that great business. You're killing the got his wings clipped. Yes. So they're saying, why would I do that? Yes. That was a lot of sacrifice to get to where he is. Yes. And he worked very hard. It's a, to get to it's where a he power is. and control thing because the Chinese system is very much of a Leninist system. It, the, the party is paramount. The party's control is paramount. They it was, a, by the way, it was a free market for all the no, way through Deng Xiaoping. That's because he, Deng Xiaoping has no other way of surviving. The country is going to collapse. So they right. use, well, they course. use the because why? Because they were Leninists. Yes, they were Marxists. But, but but still, they they're Leninists. They're the wrong old. system, and yes. now they're going back. back. To the wrong they're going system. backwards. Yes, I know because they're the, going back. How how people can't look? I mean, North and South Korea is such a perfect. I, we know that. Okay, Tim, I know, and you ask the next question. Okay, number okay, twenty. You, Last question: As a brand builder, the cornerstone of the entire practice is of brand building is empowering individuality, be it in the form of a large corporate brand or an individual's personal brand. Bitcoin is one of the decentralized way of expressing and exchanging value, decentralized, okay? At least in theory, it gives everyone more control over their own money and the protection from inflationary risk of losing value of their hard earned money. Mm -hmm. So individual sovereignty, liberty, and self-government they were the values of our own country. They were the, fun, the cornerstone of the United States. Okay, and the foundation for democracy is the freedom of individuals and the truly free market economy. Okay, so I, I ask everyone in my interview this question. What does the Tim Draper brand stand for? What do you want to be remembered as your legacy long after you exit from this planet? Great. You know, it is true. The brand is so important and, uh, and how you present yourself, how you treat your employees, how you treat your suppliers, all so important. Yes. Your customers, how, how well do you treat your customers? Um, and I've always had that in my mind. I, I met a really good brand guy way back when. 
-hmm. and and he just explained that to me and i said yeah it's not just your logo it's not just your in this case an nft it's not just your nft it's dna it's it's everything and um and so um you saw me i had a mission which was to spread venture capital and entrepreneurship around the world Mm -hmm. i did that and and then the world changed a little when Bitcoin came. And I realized that now my mission is freedom and trust around the world led by Bitcoin. And so I wear my Bitcoin tie every day. Um, <laughs> I dress up every day. Um, I try to, uh, I, I encourage entrepreneurs from all over the world to come to me. I'm a, I'm a natural magnet. I tell them what my email address is, Tim at Draper.vc. Um, we have Meet the Drapers. We have a show that's dedicated to entrepreneurs, allowing mm-hmm. people from anywhere to come onto the show and get crowdfunded. The viewers can, can invest. We have Draper University for people who are kind of, you know, trying to figure it out at the their early part of their career to come uh, and get trained to become entrepreneurs. Um, and, and so all of this is a natural magnet for, um, for entrepreneurs to come into our fold, our ecosystem, and then potentially get funded and grow and become great. And so my whole brand is built around that. And venture capital is very much a trust business. You, you, when you write a check, you are sending your trust to someone. And in my experience, almost every time, the entrepreneur lives up to that trust and even more. Yes. Uh, and, and if you're in a society where the government's telling everybody what to do and they're saying, oh, what are you doing? What? Ah, and they're looking at you that way, you will also live up to their distrust. That's right. So as a, as a human, if somebody trusts me to do something good, I'm going to do everything I can to do that good thing. Yes. And if somebody's very skeptical about me and looking at me sideways and, oh, you're doing something wrong. I know you're doing something wrong. I might end up doing something wrong because of that. So I think um, trust in a society is so important. And the idea of a government telling everybody how to manage their children, nuts. Yes. It, it gets it, the it worst. spreading distrust throughout that country. And that country was awesome it was so much fun it was the the economy was taking off there was a free market there were entrepreneurs everywhere there was tons of venture capital the 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 buildings were going up the the high tech the place looked fantastic and now now it's going to deteriorate people are going to not trust each other they're going to be watching each Mm -hmm. other and say hey wait i saw him he was doing something wrong you know God, that kind of attitude, that's the beginning of the end of a society. Yes. And that's what they got in North Korea. That's what they got in Russia. And now that's what you got in China. You know, my expertise is to summarize the brand essence with no more than five words. So may I summarize what you just said? So Tim Draper brand stands for freedom and trust for humanity. Five words. Perfect. Freedom and trust for humanity. Okay, so now I'd love to have you back again, Tim. Some maybe next year uh, to talk about your amazing accomplishments. But we will we will continue with uh, entrepreneurship, which is another passion of mine. We are helping the entrepreneurs. Okay. Okay. Good Thank you so much. Oh, okay. Right. Take care.